Let's give that hand clap to the Lord tonight. Lord, we love you, Jesus. We lift you up, God. Praise your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Go ahead and get rid of this. It's so good to be here tonight, and I appreciate this opportunity to get to speak to you guys. Uh, you can go ahead and be seated. Um, I, I like to... Uh, I like to speak to the young adults class. It's a good group to talk to. Like Brother Fiddley said, it's a, it's a good age group where you can really dig into the Word of God and see what God's saying uh, in His Word. And we, I want to uh, give honor to uh, Brother Kilman and Brother Barkus and Brother Fiddley and uh, all the teachers down here for the opportunity to get to speak to you guys tonight. I give honor to my family for coming down and my cousin Joel. I'm so glad he's here tonight. I know it's just because... They didn't have children's church, and I was the second best option, but I appreciate him being here anyway. Uh, if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to 1 John, the fourth chapter. I'm going to begin reading at verse number 7. And it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God. And knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And I want to talk to you for the next few minutes under the title, God is Love. If you bow your heads and pray with me, dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity to come before your word, God, and to learn from it and to let it speak into our lives. God, we pray that you would anoint us. Lord, help us to have an interaction in the Holy Ghost. Help us, Lord Jesus, to receive what you have for us tonight, God, so that we might walk away changed for the better. And we will give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, the word love in the English language has a lot of different meanings. They mean means roughly the same thing uh, in some cases, I guess, at a very basic level. But on a more detailed level, it, it means a lot of different things. People say love uh, for uh, meaning a lot of different things. You love your spouse differently than you would love your friend. And you love your friend differently than you love the cheeseburger that you say, I love this cheeseburger. You, and you, you say love in a lot of different ways. And, and when you say you love God, it should mean something different than when you say you, you love the cheeseburger. So th there is this word, love, that is thrown around a lot, and we don't really understand exactly what it means all the time because it has so many different meanings. And when we see this verse in the Bible that says God is love, uh, that verse a lot of times is quoted. I've heard it uh, a lot uh, in people that didn't even really know much about the Bible, but they knew well, God is love, and I've heard it misused a lot. I've heard it talked about as, well, you know, God will just, anything's okay because God is love. I, the last time I, I heard it, it was in a, a uh, creative writing class. I was in my last semester at school, and there was a story written about a guy that had left his family. He had pretty, pretty much lived a raucous life, and he committed suicide. And he gets to the gates of heaven, and God says, just come on in. And that's the end of the story. And um, so the teacher was applauding this story. They were talking about how awesome it was, what a great picture of heaven it was, that everyone just gets to come right in. And the teacher said, that's right, because God is love. And I just kind of cringed, but I didn't say anything, but I just kind of cringed because there was an idea of love that was mistaken. And it was an idea that, that uh, is often, I feel like oftentimes, uh, you know, like a fallback position. Well, I can do whatever I want because 
God is love. But, I, but we, we often end our quotation with that one phrase. But the Bible talks about exactly what it, what it means when it says God is love. It, it tells us. It doesn't leave it up for us to guess. So that's what I want to talk to you a little bit about tonight. What does it mean for you and what does it mean for me that God is love? What does it mean for us? What does it mean for our lives when we say or when we believe that God is love? Well, let's continue reading in verse number nine. In this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Verse 10, herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So in this context, in this passage of Scripture, love always comes paired with the sin issue. God's first act of love was to send Jesus, was to robe himself in flesh and come to the earth to deal with the sin issue. That's where all love starts, is dealing with sin. That's where all of the love of God begins, at the very foundation, at the very, lev- at the very bottom base level. God's love is there to deal with your sin. God's love is to be the propitiation for your sin. That was his first act of love. Jesus Christ coming to this earth was his first act of love. And he came to seek and to save them that were lost. So the only reason that you would need to be saved is if you were lost. So the God is love means that there is some sin issues that need to be dealt with. That's what the con- you can you cannot talk about God's love outside of sin because his very first act of love was to forgive sin and was to deal with sin and was to allow mercy to enter into your life. But see, so, but God doesn't just want to forgive sin so that you can do whatever you want. Because I think that's where a lot of people get is that we can, well, you can do whatever you want because God is love and, 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 and God wants to forgive sin. But see, there's another, another level of forgiveness. It's not just about washing away your sin, but giving you the victory to overcome sin in your life. And you don't have to take my word for it. There's scripture to back it up. If you turn, well, you're, we're right there in 1 John chapter 5. And let's look at verse 3. For this is the love of God. So here we're going to get a definition of what the love of God is, that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. So you have to keep the commandments of God. Love is rooted in obedience. Love is rooted in obeying the commandments of God. Love is, is it started in forgiveness and it continues in obedience. That's what God wants from us. When he says that I am love, when God, when God tells us in his word that he is love, he means that he is love to forgive your sin, and he is love to give you the ability never to go back, never to turn around, never to go back to that destructive lifestyle, because sin will destroy your life. Paul tells us in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, is death. That's 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 simple. If you sin, you will die. It will destroy your life. And I think a lot of us in here, all of us, because the Bible tells all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, if we were really honest with ourselves, we could look back over our life and say nothing good ever came out of sin. There's no mistake 
that I look back and say, I'm glad I made that mistake because the direct consequences were awesome. You know, I sinned and my life got better. No, your life got better when you repented of your sin. And I think if we really went back over our life and asked ourselves that question seriously, we would all come to that same conclusion that I'm sure glad that the Lord forgave me. And that's when my life started to get better, when he gave me the power to overcome. We look in the next verse for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So this is what God's plan is for us. This is what the intention of his love is to give us the power to overcome, to give us the power and the anointing to get through the things of life, to get through the world that overcome that that comes against us so that we can overcome the world. Now, it's interesting in this verse to note that there is a mention of faith, because I believe that what I'm trying to get across here is that the love of God is at the start and it goes to forgiveness and it leads to victory through your faith. Faith is what you have to give back to God. You have to give God back love and you have to give him your faith. You have to have faith in him. You have to have faith because if you look in Romans chapter number five, which is where we're going to go next. Romans chapter number five and verse number one. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So you are justified by your faith and by and through the Lord Jesus Christ. And now we, we, we talked about earlier that Jesus Christ is God's love on this earth. What, when Jesus came to this earth, it was his first act of love. So we can equate the love of God with the work of Jesus Christ. So when you pair the power and the love that Jesus Christ embodied on this earth and what he did to give us grace from our sins with the faith, then we can have access to something supernatural. We can have access to something that's great and something that's powerful and something that transcends the, this life. But what, what is that? What, what, what can we have access to? What really, this is getting down to the heart of the question, what really does God is love mean to me? What really does God is love mean to you and mean to you? What, what does it really mean that God is love? How does that impact my life? How does it change the way I live and the way I go about it? God is love and I just continue living my life? I don't think so. God is love and you embrace what he's doing. You embrace what he wants to do in your life and you'll have access to something great. Yet again, you don't have to take my word for it. Let's continue reading. We have peace with God. So God wants to give you peace. And the Bible tells me that the peace of God passeth all understanding. That's the kind of peace God wants to give you. With God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith. Faith is the access into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So through your faith and through what Jesus Christ did by dying on the cross, you have access to grace, you have access to joy, you have access to peace, and you have access to hope. This is what God wants you to live in every day. This is why God says, I am a love. This is what his love means for you. This is what his love means for me, that we can have access to all of these great things, that we can have joy in our life and that we can have peace in our life and that we can have grace when we make a mistake 
that we don't have to be bound by our past because God is love and he wants to set you free. He wants to set you free from everything that would beset you and weigh you down. And but, you know, and sometimes we can get caught up in looking at this at the outward life. Well, God wants to bless me. That means everything is just going to be okay. that that everything's going to be peachy. I'm always going to have enough money in the bank. I'm never going to be sick. My family's going to treat me perfectly. I'm never going to make a mistake. That's what it means, right, to live in the love of God. Well, not always. But Paul addresses that, too. God doesn't just leave you out there floating. And not only so, this is Romans 5, 3, and not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. So Paul's saying there will be tribulation that comes, but you can glory in your tribulation. You can have the glory of God and all of that hope and all of that peace and all of that joy in the middle of your struggle, in the middle of what comes against you. You know why? Do you know why? Because if you have patience, right? Patience is a form of faith, I think. Wouldn't you say that patience, that when you are having to wait, that you are having to exercise your faith? And remember, faith is the access, but faith is not the vehicle. I mean, it is the vehicle, but it's not the end. It's not the destination, I should say. It's the vehicle, but it's not the destination. Because when faith is your destination, it really leads to nowhere. I was watching a documentary about a convent down in Terre Haute, Indiana, a modern-day convent where there's a sect of Carmelite nuns that they live there and they renounce every worldly possession. They never marry and they never leave that building. They stay there their entire lives. And it was fascinating to me because the, the, the mother superior, the head nun, was talking about why they rarely speak to each other, why they rarely pray out loud, and why they rarely have communication with each other. And she said this, because... God communicates in silence. And it struck my heart because I don't believe that. I don't believe that God communicates in silence. Because I think that her, she had great faith, but her faith was her destination. It was not the vehicle to get to something greater. It was just her having faith in the silence. Faith for faith's sake. And I don't and I don't believe that's the will of God for anyone in the world. I don't believe that God says, I just want you to have faith and I just want you to just believe. And I'm never going to show myself to you and I'm never going to give you any kind of hope. And I'm never going to give you. You just have to figure all that out on your own. If you want hope, you got to have faith your way to it. You got to faith your way into peace. You got to faith your way into joy. You got to trick yourself into believing that everything's okay. I don't believe that's how God works because of this verse right here. So after you have patience. After you, so tribulation comes, and then you have enough faith just to have patience and wait on God. And patience, experience, and experience, hope. So after you get done waiting, and after you had patience, and after, if you just have enough faith to wait on God, 
He will come through with an experience. And that experience will guarantee the hope comes. It's a supernatural hope. It's not a hope in, in human ability. It's not a hope that you trick yourself into just lying, you know, saying that, well, everything's going to be okay and you know it's not going to be okay. Because when God speaks into your life, you know that it's going to be okay. You don't have to just think that it's going to be okay. You don't have to hope for the best. Uh, you know the best is coming. You know that what God is doing in your life uh, will change you and will bring you out someday. And even though you're in the middle of tribulation, uh, God will bring an experience to you and it will bring the hope uh, and it will bring the joy and it will bring the peace. And you move on and hope maketh not ashamed. So hope also runs out all the shame and all the guilt of your past and everything that's that's against you and everything that that tribulation caused to, for you to have the baggage of life. If you, if you went through some, some tribulations, leave you coming out on the other side with stuff hanging on you. But when you have that experience with God uh, and the hope comes into your life, uh, hope makes not ashamed. Hope rids you of all of that stuff. Hope rids you of the shame and the guilt that the devil and the enemy and your flesh likes to heap on you and likes to tell you you can't make it. You, you, you can't. There's no way. You, you've gone too far. You've done too much. You, you can't make it. There's no way. And hope says, no, there's, you don't have to be ashamed. Hope maketh not ashamed. And you don't have to figure this out on your own. Your only step is to have patience. And then the experience will come. But what are you talking about? What does it mean? That, that what, is, what is this experience that you're talking about? What, what, what are we talking about? How, how do we know that we've had an experience with God and that we're not just making it up? Well, if we keep reading in verse number five, it says, because, so hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. This is the point. This is the experience that God will bring into your life to help you make it. This is what the Holy Ghost is, is that experience uh, that when it enters into your life, you know, you know that everything's going to be OK. That's when the hope comes. That's when the joy comes. That's when the peace comes, when the Holy Ghost enters. That's how the love of God is shed abroad in your life. That's how the love of God is imparted unto you. God is love. What does that mean for me? It means he wants you to have his spirit living on the inside of you. That means he wants each and every person to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, as it says in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 38. That word right there, that scripture, that portion that Peter preached, that is what God's will is for every person on the face of the earth. That's what it means when God says, I am love. God is love. It means that he wants to put that love in your heart. And the only way that the love of God can be shed abroad in your heart is if you get the Holy Ghost down on the inside of you. So I, I would encourage you today that if you do not have the gift of the Holy Ghost, I believe you can receive it tonight or you can receive it tomorrow. You can receive it anytime. God is willing and he's ready to give because remember, God's love is the foundation for everything. God, God, is, God already loves you regardless of whether you have the Holy Ghost or not. God loves you and he's ready whenever you're ready to give it to him. Whenever you're ready to step out by faith uh, and wait on him, then the experience will come and then you'll get to understand what all of us crazy people 
talk about, jump about, shout about, cry about is because God has changed our life. Not because we got so much faith that we just were able to think our way through it and get through all these trials, but because when we couldn't do anything else, we just stopped and waited. And then the experience came and the Holy Ghost hit us and we knew that everything was going to be okay. And we knew that everything was going to work out because there was hope that came. There was peace that came and there was joy that came. It rushed in like a rushing mighty wind. See, when they got the when they first received the gift of the Holy Ghost on Acts chapter two, they were waiting in an upper room. They were just waiting. They were having patience. And then came the experience. Uh, There came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. That's what will happen to you. God, you see, there's, there's there's a lot of thinking out there today that you can get the Holy Ghost without speaking in other tongues. You can get some kind of lesser version that God has watered it down, that God has dumbed it down for us today but I don't believe that. I believe the same Holy Ghost that the Apostle Peter got is the same Holy Ghost I can get uh, and the same Holy Ghost that the Apostle Paul got uh, I can get uh, and with speaking in other tongues. That's, but a lot of us in here have the Holy Ghost. So what are you talking about? So after you get the Holy Ghost, how do you make sure that you live in the love of God? How do you make sure that God is love still has meaning to us? How, what, how do we know that we can live in the love of God and that we can live in the access to all of these things. Well, Romans 8, verses 13 and 14 say this, For if we live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So, it's, this, is, this is a switch. This verse is talking about a switch from living after the flesh to living after the Spirit. To not walking after the flesh and not living after the flesh and following the desires of the flesh, but following the desires of the Spirit. Galatians 15, or excuse me, Galatians 5, 16 uh, says this. This I say then, walk in the Spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. It's that simple. You walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So if you walk in the flesh, the, the inverse of that is that you will fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So walk in the Spirit so that you can be pleasing to God. So that you can know God. Because, it, because if you sin, you do not know God. The, the Bible tells us in 1 John Chapter number 3, verse number 6, Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither know him. Sin, Like we said earlier, sin separates you from God. So walk in the Spirit so that you do not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But still, walking in the Spirit, what, is, what does that mean? It, 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 it's, it's kind of, you know, it, you, you have to walk, you know, literally put one foot in front of the other. And a lot, everybody can walk, you know, people without the Holy Ghost and with that atheist can walk. So what does it mean? Walk in the spirit. What, what, what does that actually mean to us? What does it mean when the Bible says walk in the spirit? Well, I to answer that, I go back to Romans five when it says that faith is the access. Faith is the access. Faith is how you get there. 
That's how you get to walking in the Spirit. You have to have faith to believe that God's Spirit is good for you and that you should listen to it. And faith is not something that you either have or you don't have. Faith is something that God will give to you. If you look, turn Matthew chapter number 17 and verse number 20. This is after Jesus' disciples came back to him and said, you know, we couldn't cast out this devil. And he had, why, why couldn't we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind of faith goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. So we like to talk about the mustard seed kind of faith as being the very bare minimum of faith that everybody has. Everybody's got, surely everybody can ground up a mustard seed. It's, you know, it's a pinhead. Surely everybody can get that much faith and that kind of faith moves mountains. Surely. But we often skip the next verse. That faith doesn't go out but by prayer and fasting. So there is a faith that's even smaller than a grain of mustard seed that you just have to start with. If you just have enough faith to pray, if you just have enough faith to call on God and to dedicate just a little bit of time to fasting, I believe that God will grow your faith because it goes out by prayer and fasting. So and that's why this is my next key to walking in the spirit is prayer and fasting. That is the very foundational key, because without prayer and fasting, it seems like you couldn't have any faith. Your faith would be limited because the, you can't even get to mustard seed level without prayer and fasting. You can't even you just so the only faith you can reach on your own is, I don't know, molecular kind of faith, atomic faith, just a tiny little smidgen of faith. But if you want to get to even the mustard seed level, you have to it has to go out by prayer and fasting. So this is one key to walking after the spirit is to have a life of prayer and a life of fasting. You don't need to make any decision in your life without these two important things, because why would you ever want to walk or make a step out in life without access to grace, without access to hope, without access to joy, without access to peace? Why would you ever want to live outside of those things that Paul talks about in Romans 5? Why would you ever? You know, no one would sit back and say, yeah, I want my life to be devoid of hope. I want my life to be devoid of peace. I want my life to be devoid of the Holy Ghost moving in my life. But that's essentially what you say when you make decisions without prayer and without fasting. When you make big time decisions, I mean, I believe it's in the Bible. I believe that, that I could prove that. Because if faith goes out by prayer and fasting, and faith is the access, then without prayer and fasting, the faith is getting weak. And when the faith gets weak, it's tough to have access to God's love. Because Jesus Christ is love. So by faith, we have access through Jesus Christ. So those two things have to combine. God's love and our faith in order for us to have this access. So if we want to have strong faith, 
We need to have strong prayer. And we need to have strong fasting. You see, because if we, we, with, without those things, I, don't, I just don't, I don't know how you can do it. I don't know how you, you can't get to that kind of faith. Jesus told us that we couldn't get to that kind of faith. You have to have those things. And I think we could all admit, I, I know I've had times of doubt in my life, and I think we could all say that we have. And you just, you kind of wake up one day, you know, and it, a lot of times of me going through a secular institution, you know, some stuff starts to make a lot of sense. You know, like, wow, how, yeah, that's, that's pretty crazy. God could create the earth in six days. And, man, yeah, there's all these different cultures and religions. You, you know, it's just maybe not, maybe somebody, maybe we're not the only ones that have the right answer. And you can get all of these doubts creeping into your mind. And I've been there. I start thinking about that, and man, there's so many people that on the earth, how could God really reach all of them? How could he give every man a chance? And all this stuff, and it just keeps rolling through your mind. And I've had moments of doubt like that. But then I also woke up and I realized, you know what, Jared, you haven't prayed in a really long time. You haven't fasted in a really long time. So when you get, and I, and I promise you, every time that I've started back up praying and I've started back up fasting, God has answered me. And it's been beyond a shadow of a doubt. It's be beyond anything else. It's when I had patience to say, God, I'm not going to make some kind of rash decision and walk away from the church without talking to you about it first. And every time I submitted my life to prayer and every time I submitted my life to fasting, God came through with an experience. And it was an experience so strong. And I had the Holy Ghost, but it was a reminder. Jared, I still love you. Jared, you are my child this roman says that the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of god god is his own witness he doesn't need you to prove him scientifically or historically or archaeology or whatever you say archaeology whatever that archaeological there we go he doesn't need you to prove him anyway Because he will be his own witness. You just have enough faith, that molecular faith, to say, God, I need some help here. God, I need an experience from you. And he will break through the doors and break through the walls and break through the chains and break through the gates, uh, whatever it takes to help you, to give you that experience that brings the hope. uh, Is you say, God, I can't submit my life to you. I don't see how that I can do it because it doesn't seem like it would work out. Uh, Yeah, that doesn't seem like in your mind. But if you just have that molecular faith uh, to pray, uh, just say, God, I'm I'm just going to talk to you about it. Then an experience will come that will convince you that you can do it. Will convince you that you can step out by faith. You don't, faith is not the end. We're not just taught here so that we can have big faith. No, we're here so that we can have a real experience. So that we can get some victory. So that we can overcome the world. So that we can live a victorious life and one day make heaven our home. That is the end, friends. That is the where we're trying to get to. Faith is just how we have to get there for right now because we see through a glass darkly you know it's kind of interesting when it it talks about that verse in corinthians behold we see through a glass darkly it's right in the middle of the whole portion about charity never faileth charity or love never faileth love is the only way the only thing that we know fully of we know if you have the gift of the holy ghost you know fully about god's love because you've experienced it And when you know fully about God's love, all of that other stuff, all those questions and doubts and tribulations and struggles, they seem to fade away. They seem to wither away because I know he loves me, not because I have big faith, not because I've proved and looked in the historical books 
and found God, found the Jesus bone or the whatever that proves that God exists. But because I had to wait, I, had, I came to a point in my life where I had to wait on God and I had just enough faith to wait. And then experience came. And now I have even I have big faith because God has spoken to me because God has dealt with me because he's given me an experience. So that's first key to walking in the spirit is prayer and fasting. And then and I'm wrapping up quickly here. The last key and the second key is that we have to read, live and obey the word of God. We have to let the Bible speak to us. And, it's, I, and, I, I, and I like when people call the Word of God the Bible because there's, a, there's scholarship out there. They don't really, you know, they say, well, the Bible isn't even the Word of God. And that's how they get around it. But I'm here to tell you that the Bible is the very words of God. And it contains the power of God in its pages. Well, and yet again, you don't have to believe me. There's scripture for it. Go back to 1 John, chapter number 5 again. Verse number 7. For there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. If you want to know the love of the Father, you have to have the Holy Ghost. And you have to have an understanding and a knowledge of the word of God, because those three are one. If you want to know anything about God, you can find it right there. If you want to know anything about what the Holy Spirit wants for your life, it's right here. It's in the word of God. John 1 1 says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And then later on in verse 14, it says, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So Jesus is the word made flesh. In the beginning was the word and the word was God. The Holy Ghost and the word and the father, all three are one. If you want to know anything about the Holy Ghost, if you want to know anything about the love of God, it has to come from the scripture. Prayer and fasting is important, but this right here is devoid of all flesh. If you read this and allow it to speak into your life, it will change your life. If you have any inkling that's contrary to the word of God, you know right away that that's not of that's not of the Holy Ghost. That must be of my flesh because they never conflict. They are one. How could they ever be in conflict? How could the father or the son or the word or the Holy Ghost ever be in conflict? Because they are all one. There is no separation. So if you want the power of God in your life, if you want to believe if you want to have big faith, if you want to live with access to hope, joy, peace, love, walk in the spirit. And by walking in the spirit, let every decision you make in your life, be it from your marriage, be it from your career, be it from anything, anything that you have faith enough to ask God about. I imagine he'd give you an answer. I, I, God, I, God is, he's not too busy. He's not too bogged down to talk to you about anything. So if you want those things in your life, then you need to have a prayer life 
and fast and ask God. And you also need to consult the Word of God. Because those things, those things are what's going to make the difference. And that's how you know that God's love is real. Because you've had an experience. And so when somebody asks you, or when you have an opportunity to talk to somebody, you know, the Bible says that if we love God, we ought to love one another. So if you who have the Holy Ghost know about the love of God because it's been shed abroad in your life, why would you hate the person enough not to tell them about the Holy Ghost? Because telling somebody that they're okay and that their lifestyle is okay and that everything, you know, it's all right, just come and fellowship with us, but you don't have to change, you don't have to experience anything like that, that's not real love. That's selfish because you're afraid to tell them the truth. Because the truth, you know, will change them. The truth will help them. It will make them better. It made you better, didn't it? So why would it not make them better? And so God is love. Yes, he is. He loves us enough to help us change. He loves us enough to forgive us of our sins and bring us out and fill us with the gift of the Holy Ghost. So that we can live in hope, joy, peace, these kind of things. So if you stand with me tonight, and we could just go to the Lord in prayer right now to close it down. I don't know where everyone's at. I don't know who has the Holy Ghost, who doesn't have the Holy Ghost. But I would encourage you, if you don't have the Holy Ghost, just keep believing that God will fill you. Just keep desiring the Holy Ghost, and it's a promise. Acts 2.39 says, For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And God is not slack concerning his promise, but is long-suffering to us. We're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So when God promises it, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. You just have to have enough faith to wait on God. And let the Holy Ghost come into your life. And if you've had the Holy Ghost, if you've had the Holy Ghost your whole life, it seems like. You can't even remember when you get No, I'm just kidding. We can all remember when we got the Holy Ghost. But if you've had the Holy Ghost a long time, it still helps to make your decisions and your life choices informed of the Holy Spirit. It helps so that you walk every day. Say, Lord, I need your help today. I need your help this minute. I need your help this week. I just want you to help me make the right choices. Help me live in that joy and that peace and the grace and the mercy of God, even if tribulation comes. Just help me wait on you so that when I get to that experience, I know everything's going to be all right. Let's bow our heads and pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for the power of your word. And I thank you for the spirit, God, that lives inside of us, Lord Jesus. And I pray that if there's anyone here that needs the gift of the Holy Ghost, that you would help them, God, that you would fill them with the gift of the Holy Ghost, God, that you would help them, Jesus, to surrender their lives to you. God, that you would help us all to walk in the power and the reality and the anointing of the spirit, God, so that when we come up against a situation, God, when we come 
come up against a mountain, God, that's in our way, Jesus, you will help us to move it because you have given us faith, God. You've given us, Lord Jesus, the ability to live free from sin and to live free from all the guilt and condemnation and shame, God. We pray that you would give us all victory tonight, God. Help us to surrender, Lord Jesus, our lives to you and to walk in the Spirit and to live in the Spirit and talk in the Spirit. And God, we'll give you all the praise and all the glory. We love you, Jesus. We lift you up, God. Hallelujah, Lord. I love you, Jesus. I lift you up, God. Thank you for what you've done in my life, God. Thank you for what you're doing in everyone's life, God, in this room. We love you, Jesus. We lift you up, God. We give you praise and we give you glory in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, thank you all for listening. It's, it's been good to talk to you. And are we dismissed? All right. Dismissed in Jesus' name.